welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. Now, if you would, please open up your Bible to Galatians chapter 5. And so the title of this series is Love is the Answer. So maybe we ought to ask ourselves, what's the question? (laughs) If love is the answer, what what questions are we talking about? What what, what question? What what are we answering here? What, What is love the answer to? Well, let me just share a few questions with you that I think people have in their life. And this will help you understand why we're talking about love is the answer. Some people have the question, how do I overcome sickness and disease? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, love is the answer because coping is great, but there is overcoming power in the love of God. Um, and I'm going to answer this in detail in just a few here. What, what's, what about the question, how can I get free once and for all from chronic addictions? Friend, love is the answer. Okay, we're going to look at that specifically in just a minute. How can I be happy again and be totally free from depression, even though it's run in my family for decades? How can I get free from depression, Pastor? Love is the answer. And there's basically two facets of love that we're going to be studying, but you need to understand love is the answer to all these questions and to all these problems. It's the solution. For one thing, God is love. God is the answer, right? And really one of the greatest things a lot of people could do is just spend more time fellowshipping with love. His love will rub off on you. Your faith will go sky high and you'll think it's ridiculous that he'd want you sick for some reason when you know how much he loves you. Uh, Another question is, how can I know my purpose in life? Well, love is the answer. You know, a lot of our purpose is not wrapped up in what we do. A lot of our purpose for being is wrapped up in how we do what we do. It's not just about what we do in life. It's about how we live life every day. So how can I know my purpose? Love is the answer. How can I find uh, someone to marry me who really wants me and who will love me? Well, now that you can tell right there. If you really want someone to love you, be the kind of person you want. It's called attracting right, the right way somebody into your life. Um, so really, really, marriage is not about finding the right person. It's about being the right person. If you want to do more than endure marriage and enjoy marriage, then it needs to be more about being the right person than finding the right person. Um, another question is, how can I be free from fear? What's the answer? Love is the answer. What scripture comes to your mind? Perfect love casts out fear, for fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect or mature or complete in love. So these questions and a thousand other ones can be answered by love. So let me me just tell you what we mean by that. So love is the answer. So what I'm talking about is when I say love is the answer to all these things, sickness, disease, fear, depression, all these things. What I'm talking about is growing in love. Growing in knowing how much God loves you and growing in loving others all around you. 
And if you will be interested in knowing more about God's love for you and walking in that love toward others, you will find that your faith will not have that hard of a time anymore receiving the help you need from God because faith works by love. And that's what we wanted to go to. So Galatians, thank you for that graphic. Isn't that great? Galileo did that. I like that. It's really cool. So go to um, Galatians 5 and verse 6. The Bible says, In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision. Galatians 5, 6, please. Circumcision doesn't avail anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which works by love. Do you see that up there? Can you read that? So, our faith that can move mountains, raise the dead, etc., will only go as far as our love. Faith works, not automatically. Faith works by love. And that's why 1 Corinthians says you can have faith to move mountains. If you don't have love, you are nothing. I guess it's kind of like having a truckload of dynamite to blow a mountain out of the mountain range, but without electrical charge or a match, it's, not, it's just going to sit there and get old and turn into powder. So faith works by love. Um, I, I want to say this again. Love is the answer to all these questions that I just mentioned and many others. And what we're talking about is growing and contemplating more and more how much the Lord loves us and then walking in love toward people all around us is the answer to so many ills and so many pains and so many problems in the world today. And one of them we just saw in that scripture because if we're not understanding love from God and we're not walking in love for others, our faith to move mountains, to receive healing of cancer, to minister powerful things to others, won't work. So we really need to be attentive to this word called love and it's twofold, how much God loves us and our love toward other people. So, let's talk just for a minute about these three words. God loves you. Most people go, I know that. Response, not like you could know it. <laughs> we may know it, but we don't know anything like we could and should know it. In other words, the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. Right? I mean, you gain knowledge, you increase in knowledge, but you realize this thing called life is a little bigger than I thought when I was a teenager. I thought I had it all figured out when I was 16, 17 years old. But I'm realizing now, <laughs> the more I live, the more I realize I don't know. I'm just always going to stay in the learning mode. So in Romans 8, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 8. I want to show you this scripture to kick this part of it off. I want to talk for a little bit about God loves you. And I know what your mind is thinking right now. Pastor, can we talk about something that I don't know? I know God loves me. I know he loves me. I, I know, well, the more you know he loves you, the more you'll walk in health the more you'll walk in strength and wisdom and peace and joy. Because one of the number one reasons people aren't walking in health and peace and joy is because 
they're not sure God's that good to do something like that for them, even though we haven't been perfect and made a lot of mistakes. And you may not think that's the issue in your life, but I'm telling you, everybody struggles with this guilt, this condemnation thing, this sense of unworthiness, this sense of lack of faith. And the more we know how much the Lord loves us, the more ridiculous it is to think he wants you sick for some reason. You just flat out get mad at some stuff called doubt and unbelief and the devil's lies. God is good. And let me, let me just say this concerning sickness. A lot of people don't realize this. The Lord revealed this to us a long time ago. Some people think that because they learned amazing lessons in a tragedy or in a sickness or in a disease, that that was God's way of teaching. Friend, sickness is not God's way of teaching. It's man's way of learning. Well, we can learn whenever we choose to learn. And if we're going to wait till all hell breaks loose and wait till we're on the bottom or in the hospital and our heart beating irregularly, if we're going to wait for them to look up, that's our choice, not God's way. That's man's choice of when he's going to start learning. We can look up when the skies are blue. We can worship Jesus when there's no problems in our life. We don't have to wait till we're half dead. Let me say it again. Sickness is not God's way of teaching. Though at times it has been man's way of learning because man waited till then to get serious about the things of God. Well, we can get serious about the things of God without a bunch of problems in our life. You know, like the wise men from the East came to what? Came to worship Jesus. Why? Well, not because they were half dead. Hearts were beating irregularly. They came and worshiped Jesus because they were wise. Why don't we can be wise without problems? Right? We can look up without a bad doctor's report. But the thing, the reality is a lot of people have waited until great affliction came their way before they realized, maybe I ought to take looking toward God a little more serious. Yeah, but you didn't have to wait till you're half dead to do that. You could have been like the wise men from the East and just worship Him because you're wise. Right? Can I get a witness, church? So, um, that scripture we just read, oh, we didn't read it yet. Romans 8. I want you to look at verse 35 through 39. Before we start talking about loving other people, let's comprehend, let's, let's believe for more comprehension. That prayer we just prayed to come to pass and really see how much the Lord loves us. So the Bible says, this is actually the Holy Spirit through Paul the Apostle saying, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? What's the answer to that? I'm not going to let it separate me. Are you going to let it separate you from the love of Christ? No, and the Lord's not going to let it happen either. Shall uh, tribulation separate us from the love of Christ? Shall distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Keep going. As it is written, for your sake, Lord, we're killed all the day long. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. Next verse. No. Everybody say no. no. We need to say no to some things. Paul's saying, no, 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 not after what Christ has done. Come on, man. After what he's done, we're not going to be killed all the day long for his sake. No. Jesus took our punishment. He took our judgment. Yes, he did. Guess, guess what? Guess why he did that? So you wouldn't have to have it. And he says, no, in all these things, now watch this, in all these terrible things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. So what is our living a more than conquering life based on? 
His love for us. Can we put it like this? This might jar you. To think we might not make it through is to doubt his love for you. And there are forces. There are evil forces in the invisible realm trying to get us to doubt the love of God hourly. To think we may not make it through whatever we're going through, to think we not make it through, what is that? It's to doubt his love for you. Say this, I refuse to doubt the love of God. Satan will do his best to try to get us to doubt the love of our Father toward us by bringing up all these rational reasons why these bad things happened, why your prayer wasn't answered, why this and why this tragedy and why that tragedy. Friend, here's a number one powerful main word that needs to ring through the church in these last days. Don't blame God for stuff the devil's doing and don't blame God for stuff people are doing and don't blame God for stuff free will is doing. Come on, I'm, I'm sure God you know, took a big risk when he gave us a free will. Because we could say, Jesus, I love you. Or we could say, go take a long hike on a short pier, Jesus. That's the chance you take when you create people with free will, I guess. I mean, they, they can say, I love you. Or they can say, I hate you. But it must have been worth it to the Lord because he's got millions upon millions of people right now who love him freely and willingly Amen. without any push or prodding, or any kind of thing from the Lord to make them do that. How many of one of those millions? Yes. Do you love him? Yes. So I want to say this again. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. God wants us to see that we are winners because he loves us. And to think we're not winners is to doubt his love for us. So when it looks like you're losing and it feels like you're going down for the final count and it looks like it's over, just remember, God loves you and because he does, you're going to get through this thing. You are more than a conqueror through him that loved you. To think you might not make it through is to doubt his love for you. And that should be a no-no. In all of our lives. No, 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 devil. Just because I haven't seen immediate results to my prayers being answered doesn't mean it's not happening. Doesn't mean it's not on the way. Wait, you think God lied to me? You think he doesn't love me or something? Right. Yeah, but it's been three weeks and you pray, since you prayed and you're actually feeling worse. Well, I'm not going to doubt the love of God. I may not know why there's a hindrance and why there's some time going on here before I feel better, but I'm not going to doubt my love of my father. I'm going to make it. I'm coming out of this thing. I don't know. I wouldn't be so arrogant. That's not arrogance. That's confidence that his love won't let us down. There's a few things I like to say when I'm in a faith stand. When I'm standing against symptoms that have come against my body or standing against uh, things in the financial realm or standing against things in the fear realm or whatever. There's a few things I like to say. I just like to say it bold. I like to say this. Devil, shut up. I resist you in your lies, telling me I'm not going to get the victory, telling me that I've made too many mistakes and that, and that you know, God maybe doesn't want this for me because I've gone too far this. Or, I say, devil, shut up. That's one of the first things I say, shut up, devil. Because anything that brings doubt or discouragement is of the devil. In the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Not doubt and discouragement. 
Sometimes doubt and discouragement comes to you with scriptures attached to it because the devil knows you love scripture. But he's trying to make you think it's from God, but he's taking it out of context, trying to bind you with scriptures instead of getting free from scriptures. So I like to say, devil, shut up. The other thing I like to say is this. God didn't lie to me. Everything going to be all right. God didn't lie to me. I'm coming out of this. God didn't lie to me. He didn't bring me this far to leave me. God didn't lie to me. He never told me there'd be no battles, but he promised me I'd always win. Second Corinthians two fourteen. Now, thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. That word always you ought to get, make a plaque out of it or put it on the wall or something. Always. What does that mean? That means whatever you're going through or will ever go through, God will cause you to win if you don't get on the road to worry and if you don't get on the road to fear and if you don't get on the road to complaining, then you won't see any victory. But that's not God not coming through. That's you getting on a wrong road. You can turn away from the help of God and don't say God's not helping you if you've turned away from his help. He's not pushy. He's not going to make you receive or do anything. One of the most interesting things about God is he will let people turn away from him. Mm. So to think you might not make it through is to doubt his love for you. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. I wanted to bring this out because I made a statement earlier that I want to back up with scriptures. Look at verses 1 through 3. 1 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 3. I said earlier um, that, you know, most of us say, well, I know God loves me, but we don't know it like we should know it. Which means we got to dig and tell our brains, hey, brain, you don't know it all. There's a lot more to these three words than you're experiencing in your life. So the Bible says, now touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up. Knowledge gives you a big head. But love builds people up. What would you rather have, puffed up or build up? <laughs> knowledge is good, but knowledge is not everything. Actually, I think it'd be better to walk in love to the degree of the little knowledge you have of love than to know a billion secrets and not live in any of it. And to know a billion things and just know it, not do it. What does the next verse say? If any man thinks that he knows anything, you know, like God loves me, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. You may know it, but you may only know it this much. Right? And there's, you know, 20,000 leagues still that you can go deep in the love of God. So we may know God loves me, but does it mean we know it like we could know it? Let me, how you can, how, let me show you how you can tell if you're getting somewhere in knowing God loves you. You're not afraid anymore of anything. Because perfect love casts out fear. Um, your faith works great. You're actually seeing results in your prayer life. Things are happening. Things are manifesting. Good things are showing up. It's not just, I've been praying this prayer for 25 years and I'm worse off than I've ever been. Well, how many want your prayers to work? Well, I would say, Look more into the love of God for you and your love toward others and your faith will work great and you'll have a lot easier time receiving help from the Lord because faith works by love. So lack of knowledge that God loves you can be detrimental. I'm not going to have you go to this scripture, but 
Hosea chapter 4, verse 6 says that we are, God's people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And one of the areas people lack knowledge in is in this area of God loves you. They have been convinced by lies that they know that, and really all they know is, is the bare, just barely the surface of it. They think, well, I know God loves me. That's sweet. That's nice. I know God loves me. And you may know it to a degree, but we don't know it like we ought to know it. And so we need to talk about it just for a little bit. So go to 1 John chapter 4. And I want to just bring this out. Um, do you ever heard the saying, hurting people hurt people? Do you ever hear that saying? There's some truth to that. Because really, we can only give what we've received. Right? I mean, you can't give what you've never received, but a lot of people have received a lot of hurt. And a lot of times when they're uh, fellowshipping with others or just communicating or socializing, that hurt comes out because that's all they have to give. And then we get the saying, you know, hurting people hurt people. You know, that's why we need to just calm down at times when we see people do things that are hurtful and we need to realize uh, who hurt them. Maybe somebody hurt them really bad and it's just oozing out. Not that they should, you know, not be incarcerated at times, not that they shouldn't be, you know, restrained at times, because some people do. They go far enough to where they actually really hurt people, and they do need to be incarcerated. But before we get all bent out of shape and mad and start spitting and cussing, which I hope you never do as a Christian, spitting maybe, but not cussing, <laughs> um, just remember, hurting people hurt people. I wonder if that would work in this area. Loved people love people. Maybe if it works in the hurting area, hurting people hurt people. I wonder if loved people love people. Well, yeah, absolutely. If you've, been, if you've received love in your life, you are now have potential to release that love to other people because you've received it. But if you never received it, how can you give it? This is why it's so important for parents before you become a parent Make sure you're mature enough to handle kids. Too many kids have been messed up because mom and dad were not ready to commit to one another forever. I heard a while back the number one fear in children's lives is that mom and dad are going to get a divorce. And since kids can't articulate it properly or they can't share it or they're not being asked, it is how they hold all that inside. Parents don't, uh, future parents don't become a parent until you are strong enough and mature enough to stay, to stay together no matter what. Just don't do it because it's, it's sad. It's like kids are the victims here. It's like, the devil hates kids. He hates babies. He hates the unborn. He is a murderer from the beginning. And I hate him. And really, if you, if you grow in love, you're going to begin to grow in hate as well for things that God hates. Things that hurt people. Not people, but things that hurt people. You begin to hate. Jesus loved righteousness and he hated iniquity. And he is love personified. So um, I, just, I just wish parents would just really count the cost because to see parents get a divorce 
and do their own thing and fall in love with somebody else and lust out and leave and do this. And to watch the kids go through that, it's like, how selfish. But my prayer for those people is that they see the light, turn to the Lord, get forgiven, and go on, admit they did wrong, and have a happy life. Because the Lord is merciful, and He is gracious. You really can't help somebody who doesn't think they need help. Mercy don't work for you <laughs> if you don't think you've not, if you think you've not done anything wrong. And a lot of people need mercy, but they're not receiving it because they're not admitting they did something wrong. Okay, whole another subject. First John four nineteen. Look at this verse here. First John four nineteen. We love him, and we also love other people. The, the uh, revised version says, we love because somebody else first loved us. What if nobody loved us? Well, then it'd be very difficult to love others, because if you don't have the love, how can you give it? It's kind of like this. Mark Hankins brings this out in one of his books on, on love that he just released. Like a mother smiles her baby into smiling. God loves us into loving. God gives us into giving. And so really a lot of our uh, relationships and a lot of our socializing has to do with our personal socializing with the Father and with the Lord Jesus in prayer and walking with the Lord and fellowshipping with Him because there's no way we can give it if we're not around the one who gives it. And so, really, if you think about that, like a baby, like a mother smiles her baby into smiling, God loves us into loving. So, really, you just need to stick really close to the Lord, right? Hang with Him as much as possible. And then when you are around other people, what was on Him is on you, and what He operates in is operating through you now. And that's just a powerful thing. Um, before we close, I, ha I have to show you a little video here. Um, I would like to, at this time, show you a four-minute video, and I was, I was disturbed of something that I read. Now, I, I never really listened to the band, a, a Christian band. Anybody hear the Christian band called Hawk Nelson? Anybody hear Hawk Nelson? Um, so I was disturbed recently, because I, I guess the guitar player, Jonathan, um, what's his name? Jonathan Steingard. Um, he he basically came out publicly and said, um, I don't believe in God anymore. And we've seen this happen for people, somebody on the Hillsong praise team, um, we, we, somebody else came out, another Christian artist came out and said, he's just decided I'm a homosexual and I'm going to live that lifestyle. Some of the most anointed songs I've ever heard in my life from this person. And then later he... He, um, I was praying today. You know what I heard in my spirit? And I said it about 10 times because God needs us to say things so he can do things. I heard these words. Great deliverance is coming to the homosexual community. Amen. Notice I didn't say great preaching or great, you know, correction. Uh -uh. Great deliverance is coming to the homosexual community. The, the number one reason I believe people get sucked in and feel like they can't get out is because the church has not believed in 
the full power of deliverance that they need. They're afraid to preach it. They're afraid to talk about demon influence. They're afraid to talk about sin. They're afraid to talk about the power and the blood of Jesus. And these people are staying bound and they don't know how to get free and the church is not giving them the way, but it's time that the church rise up and let people know you can be totally free. My church believes in praying and binding and loosing and helping and we are here to help you if you want help. Um, but anyway, I wanted to say this because this is another uh, this, this guy here basically just, you know, he's married. He's got kids, but he um, he he said he doesn't believe in God anymore. So I want to show you four minutes of his reasoning for that. And for the remaining time, I just want to I want to help him and anybody else that we may know that feels like this, because I, I see some honesty in the guy. I really do. I, I see honesty in him. It sounds like he's really honest. And maybe he just needs to hear what I'm going to share in the next five minutes after this four minute video. I don't know. But watch what he says here. I was kind of touched when I heard I felt for the guy. I really did. And, and I wanted to bring this out because it goes right along with love is the answer. So what what specific things uh, on this journey, uh, what specific experiences rather intensified your doubt? Yeah. I went and I did a, uh, I, I do film work now. And so I was filming a documentary in uh, Uganda about this, uh, this people group uh, that are indigenous to a, like a forest area and they've been displaced uh, by uh, these gorilla sanctuaries that have been created for, for the silverback gorillas. Um, and so these people have been displaced and they had nowhere to go. They had no skills. They had no jobs. They, they had just been living off the land for generations and then now they had no place to go. And there's hundreds and hundreds of children and children that are the same age as my, my children. And, and I know this is an age old sort of struggle and, and my experience is not um, unique or new by any means, but it really hit home for me when I, you know, the thought of, I mean, the thought of my son being alone and naked and, and crying and in the forest and dying alone. That is a real experience for a lot of these children. And I don't know what to do with that. I like my son doesn't have that experience because he was lucky enough to be born in North America to a, you know, uh, a, a comfortable white North American family. And so my son will not experience that. But these children experience that. That's half of them don't make it to five. And, and I saw that and it broke me. And I don't know how to reconcile that with the idea of a God that loves us so much, he would do anything. And the idea, like, if that was my son, I would break every rule. I would break every rule to, to, to help him and to take care of him. And I don't understand. I don't understand why, why, you know, the God that loves us so much, he helps us find a, you know, he answers our prayer for a parking spot when we pull into church, you know, the God that, that, 
loves us so much he answers even our tiny prayers, you know, like that's what I was raised to believe in the culture I was in. And I go like, so God answered your prayer for a parking spot, but he's not answering the prayers of these children dying naked and alone. What do I do with that? And I, that wrecked me, as you can tell, <laughs> you know? I had, no, I, I had no idea what to do with that. And, and suddenly all of, the, uh, all of the trite answers of, you know, well, you know, God gave us free will and that's why there's evil in the world. And when evil entered the world, it disrupted the natural order of things. And that's why there's disease and famine and earthquakes. Um, those answers felt deeply unsatisfying to me. And um, I understand there's lots of people that find those answers good enough. And I just didn't. In, in your post... So I, I don't have a lot of time. Doesn't that kind of touch you? I mean, that just kind of kind of touched me. So I did some seeking. I did some studying. And I, I believe the Lord gave me some things that I wish Jonathan could hear. I, my first question is, what church do you go to? Are, are they not informing? I mean, we, um, I call it the million dollar question, but the Lord's given us grace to answer this question and and. We've answered it for 30 years now. Why, why do bad things happen to good people? Or if God is so good and so loving, why doesn't he do something about all the evil in the world? And the biggest answer is he has. It's just people are still not wanting to look to the answers and expect all, everything to work out great when God's given them the word, given them the Holy Spirit, given them his armor, given them his weapons, given them the name of Jesus, given them the blood of Jesus, given them the fivefold ministry, given them the church, but they're not interested in God's help. And then they're still wondering, well, why am I not seeing the help of God? Why doesn't he do something? He has, you're just not interested in it. You need to be interested in his help. I mean, so, so let, me just, let me just read you a couple things here um, about that statement he made. Why wouldn't God break every rule to help those that are starving, naked, and dying children? Can I, can I submit a better question? I think this would be a better question. It's more in line with, um, you know, what we know to be the truth. I think the question should be this, Jonathan. Why wouldn't we let God's love flow, flow through us and go help them in his stead? Why are we waiting for Jesus to come down from heaven? The Bible says we don't talk like that anymore. Oh, Jesus, come down from heaven. Oh, Jesus, come up from the deep. The Bible says don't talk like that if you're a believer. Romans 10 says don't talk like that. The word is near you. The word of deliverance is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. And I was thinking, and I heard Oprah say similar things. Now I'm just going to say, she went public. I'm going to comment on it publicly. Talking about all these people and other places that are, that are you know, they're, they're just lost. And, and what if they never hear the gospel? Are you trying to tell me they're going to go to hell? And I'm thinking, Oprah, why are you just talking about this? Get a team together. If they're unlocking your compassion, that's the sign that you're called to help them. Why just talk about it? Get out there, Oprah. Come on, take at least a billion, man. I mean, come on. Go out there and help the people. You're saying, what if they don't hear the gospel and they die and go to hell? Then it's our fault because we're living in their generation. And if we have means to do it and we're waiting for Jesus to come down from heaven and we've got the means to touch them now, 
and bring the love of God to them, shouldn't that be the question? Shouldn't the question be, instead of, God, why aren't you answering their prayers? Why aren't you helping these kids? God's saying, uh, as soon as you go, I will. Because I work through you. I'm working through you. Jesus said, as soon as you go, I'll help them. I mean, wouldn't that be better than saying, why? I love his honesty. I think it's amazing. I would just love him and anybody else who has these questions to realize. We are God's ambassadors in the earth. And if we're waiting for God to do our job, we're going to be waiting till we see him face to face. And then he's going to have a little talk with us about why we didn't reach those people. My power would have been with you. My name will break the power of darkness. I'll give you prosperity to get them all the food they need. I'll give you this to help them build churches. I mean, shouldn't the question be, why won't we let God's love flow through us? And go help them in his stead? I don't know if people realize or not, but God is geographically in heaven. At the, I mean, he, he's geographically in heaven. We're the agents on the earth that he said he's supposed to work through. I mean, we're the body of Christ. The head is geographically in heaven. And here's another interesting thing. I learned this a long time ago. That whoever unlocks your compassion is who you are called to minister to. I mean, don't you, we shouldn't just talk about how bad we feel for these people and, oh, I wish God would do something. Let that compassion move you. Jesus was moved with compassion and healed their sick. He didn't just feel bad and wish God would do something. He got out there and believed he was the son of God and the power of God worked through him. Lepers got cleansed, maimed got healed, lame started walking again, paralyzed people were healed. Right? And I could see compassion all over this guy. He doesn't know what to do with the compassion. He feels what God feels. And he's waiting for Jesus to do something. Newsflash. If you're a believer, you're Jesus. In the earth realm. The Bible says we are the body of Christ. And members in particular. Here's the revelation. We is he. The Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. Jesus said, the works that I do shall you believers do, and greater works than these shall you do because I go to my Father. I'm out of here. I need you guys working for me while you're in the earth, while I'm in the Father's right hand getting things ready for the marriage supper of the Lamb in the millennium. I'll be answering prayers, interceding forever, but I'm going to need you guys to do what I did because if you don't, ain't nothing going to happen. How many believe Jesus did his part? Think he did a good job? How many think it's time for us to do our part? Believe we are who he said we are. Believe God. If it takes a million dollars to go to that place where he was talking about and build some kind of church and some kind of orphanage to get fresh water there, let's believe God for the money and quit talking against prosperity when people are dying because they don't have any of it. And then we got people saying, ah, shut your mouth about that prosperity stuff. Oh, right, 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 right. So how are we going to help these people in this far back jungle if we don't have any money? Last I looked, plane tech tickets cost money. Cargo planes to bring food costs money. Digging wells costs money. Printing Bibles costs money. Building churches costs money. The devil wants the church broke. So we can't do any of these things. I believe in prosperity as a tool. I believe it's going to help us to win this world to Jesus and get people saved and stop premature deaths and get things going the way God wants them going. 
And it, it stirred me up because I just felt like this guy needed to know that. That, um, why isn't God doing something? I think the question is, why aren't we doing something about it? Children of God, filled with the Holy Ghost. Authorized, deputized with the authority of God to cast out devils and rebuke darkness and rebuke disease. Huh? But see, I can tell, though, a lot of people, they are not going to churches that hear these things. They are going to churches. They're not talking about the authority of the believer. They're not talking about the power of God. They're not talking about prosperity the right way. They're not talking about the blood of Jesus. They're not talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And so they must feel really helpless. What can we do? We ain't got no power. We don't believe in prosperity. The name of Jesus isn't that powerful. It's kind of like a little lucky rabbit's foot, you know. It's, I mean, gifts of the Spirit are for Bible days. Can we pray for that guy? And then we'll close. Father, we pray for Jonathan. Open his eyes, Lord. Send laborers his way. Help him to realize and to see that he's not powerless. And if he's being moved on with compassion, that's a sign that you're going to empower him to do something to help those people. Help him to realize, Father, that he was or is or part of the body of Christ. Help him to see the things that would help him to not just hurt, but to be moved with that hurt to bring great help. Oh, Father, help him to ask the right questions. I, I, I appreciate his honesty, Lord. Matter of fact, that, that's a very refreshing thing to see somebody that honest. But Lord, I, I really feel like the only thing that's lacking in his life, I don't believe he's in rebellion. I don't believe he's in, you know, known disobedience. I just believe he's uninformed. And so we're asking that you would help this guy, Jonathan, to know some of these things that we know would help him. Send laborers and workers his way, Father. Help him to come back into the faith. And I believe as he sees and realizes these things, he will. And he'll come back and he'll be a stronger Christian than ever. We pray for his soul. We pray for his help. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab.